warning. In the future, there will be no billionaires. Only billionaires in friendship. Yeah, and everyone will get to be a billionaire in friendship. And it doesn't mean you have to have a billion friends, obviously. It just means that collectively your friends are worth one billion. Yeah, and in the same way that you could have financial power worth a billion dollars, under this system you'll have friendship power worth a billion dollars. I just like to say worth a billion, because it wouldn't be dollars anymore. That's true, just that's a, my... a billion. That's my upbringing. It's all right, we all have to unlearn. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. My name is Sean. And my name is Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening to our little special event, a farewell send-off for the billionaires in society. We want to say thank you, but no thank you, to the billionaires and phase them out. But we want to give them a tasteful send-off, and that's what this episode is about. It's about all coming together as a community to wish billionaires a bon voyage. Yeah, I like to call it a fabulous farewell. Yeah, this is a fabulous farewell. That's a great way to put it. To any billionaires out there listening, this special is for you to kind of take a minute and reflect on the past, yes, but also to get ready for the future, for what's next. So I hope you've got your bags packed and your traveling cap on. On behalf of all of us non-billionaires, it has been a slice. And we hope to see you later again as a non-billionaire. How do we send them off? Like a, a three-gun salute or... I want it to be a tasteful send-off. We don't want to just turn up our noses. We want to say, hey, thanks for everything. See ya. And I, I don't know how to do that best. What if we just wave at them and say, goodbye, billionaires. It's been great. Bye. 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 We miss you. Bye. It's not good enough. No, we need to ask the billionaires themselves. It's only fair. So we are going to temporarily keep billionaires around just long enough for them to conduct a vote on how they want to be sent off. That is going to be going on throughout the show. So at the end of the show, we will get the results back from the billionaires and we'll know exactly what to do. And we can do it right. Do it tastefully. Send them off. Bon voyage. It's been a slice. Bye. 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 Will Sean and Aaron give the billionaires a tasteful send off? Will the feedback they receive from all the billionaires listening contain useful advice about how to do it tastefully? Which billionaires get to stand in front in the goodbye photo? The answer to all these questions and more at the end of the episode. Okay, everyone, now we're going to be responding to some common questions and concerns about the abolition of billionaires. Hopefully we're able to put these fears to rest and make everyone extremely calm about abolishing billionaires. Tranquility. That's what we aim for on the show. We know a lot of people worry about this stuff, and we just want to relieve, pacify, shush, tuck in, calm, warm, held. So the first question. 
You say you want to abolish billionaires. Are you talking about getting rid of all 2,200 billionaires, the actual individuals themselves, and making them disappear like a magic trick? Is that what you mean by abolishing billionaires? No. Uh, while that would be a pretty neat magic trick, honestly, making over 2,000 people disappear, it actually would not get rid of billionaires because people could still accumulate more than a billion dollars worth of wealth. If you just had a single one-time magic trick that made all these people disappear, there might be no billionaires that second, but there's a 999 millionaire out there somewhere who's just waiting to earn that last $1,000, and then you'd have billionaires all over again. So while it's a neat idea, it actually wouldn't really be effective. What we have to do is structure society in such a way so that billionaires can't happen to begin with, and the people who are currently billionaires will become non-billionaires. So their human bodies, their human forms will continue existing but as non-billionaires. And this is a common mistake that we can make when calling for really broad and meaningful social change is that you can over-individualize things instead of looking at things in terms of social roles. If you're the best magician in the world and it's not just an illusion, you can really do magic, you can make Jeff Bezos disappear. But there's still going to be a richest man in the world. There's still going to be a massive inequality between the people at the very extreme top and the vast majority of the population. That institutional relationship, that systemic relationship is still going to exist. When we talk about abolishing billionaires, we're not talking about abolishing certain people. We're talking about abolishing roles within society. So no, it's not like a magical disappearing trick. Yeah, but thanks for the question. It's a common one. Next question. Didn't those billionaires earn their money, and so it's unfair to take it? And the answer to that is no, they didn't. None of them, not a single one of them earned their money. It's impossible to earn a billion dollars. Over a lifetime, the most money someone could possibly earn, actually earn, is about $1,500,000 over a lifetime, a full lifetime. Anything more than that, and you have unearned money on your in your account. Yeah, a billion dollars is such an unthinkably large amount of money. You'd have to be earning money at a rate, we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. It's a thousand millions. So a thousand's already a big number. Like a million's a big number, but then a thousand's also a pretty big number. A thousand's the difference between one year and 1,000 years. You know, if you were working full-time at $50 an hour, it would take you over 9,000 years to earn a billion dollars. I think you could reasonably say, yeah, you know what? You work for $50 an hour. The amount of exertion that you put out there was worth $50. That's within the spectrum of reasonable human earnings. And someone who's working minimum wage, I mean, like, it's so little money for how much work is being done. Like, you're being underpaid so much working a minimum wage job. So, I mean, the concept of earning something is sort of interesting, like, to unpack. It's something that we take for granted. It's part of common sense. But if there is such a thing as earning, if there is such a thing as you put in this amount of effort and you got this output as a result of it, there's got to be a cap for it that would fall pretty far short of becoming a billionaire. And this is not even to get into the territory of earned versus unearned income in an economic sense where something like land value increases and Georgism is considered unearned income through an economic lens because it's not money that you've earned, it's that your property has increased in value. And actually for billionaires, a lot of their money always comes from stocks, properties, etc. increasing in value. 
It's very rarely like a $1 billion cash payday. I don't know that this ever happened. Jeff Bezos didn't make his billion by getting hired at some company for $100,000 a day and then working there for 10,000 days, which would still be a long time. That Jeez, what is that? That's like 30 years? Is that 30 years? So if you were <laughs> earning $100,000 a day for 27 years... And you spent zero dollars. Working every day, by the way. I didn't give any days off in those years. <laughs> That's not how Jeff Bezos made his first billion or any of his subsequent hundred and whatever billions. So no, billionaires didn't earn their money. And most people say someone earned or didn't earn something. You're talking about a personal value judgment in a sense. Like, do they deserve that amount for what they did? So does someone who, say, charges 50 bucks an hour for their graphic design, did they earn that? Well, it's like, did you like the design? Did they take to? Like, it's it's subjective to say whether someone earned it. Does Jeff Bezos starting Amazon mean he earned $150 billion? I mean, some nerds will say so, but like, no. Yeah, I think there's two definitions of earned. There's earned as in you receive money for a financial transaction of some kind. Labor, for like effort, yeah. Yeah, labor was exchanged for money and it was earned in a transactional sense. Then there's also earned in the sense of justice and like philosophical desert. Like whether or not someone earned something isn't just a question of whether or not they received money in exchange for doing something. It's also a question of is it just what they received for their work? Yeah. So basically, no, it is not just that billionaires receive the money for the work that they did. Maybe there's an argument that they should receive a lot of money, but there's a lot of numbers that are really big that are smaller than a billion. 900,000, for example. Just one example. There's lots of that's examples. A huge, but, yeah, yeah, and that's a huge number. It's on the lower end of numbers below a billion. That number is closer to zero than the number three million, for example. Yeah, but it's unspeakably large to me. It's more money than all the money I've ever had in my life combined. Ooh, sorry, that number's dancing in front of my little brain eye, but... And for a billionaire to give someone $900,000 is the equivalent of you giving someone like 30 bucks or something, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, depending on your income and amount of assets. You know, the percentage of a billionaire's wealth that translates into 900,000 for an average person, it would be a very, very small amount of money. It's not even 30 bucks unless you have like 30,000 bucks. I guess it depends if you count all my assets. I don't have 30,000 bucks. No way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, d I definitely like have assets underneath 10,000. I'm trying to think the computer, like real resale value. I guess like these mics have resale value. Uh, so Aaron and I just tried to calculate how many assets we have to figure out <laughs> what percentage of our assets would be equivalent to a billionaire giving away $900,000. My assets, I think, got to be six, 7,000 tops. Like, Yeah, so it's like five bucks, maybe? It's about five bucks. Like, it's one thousandth of the money and then minus a little more. If you go to one billion to 900,000 is one one thousandth minus a little bit more. So, yeah. If your assets total $7,000, you're at about five bucks. So if I give someone five bucks, which I have before, that is equivalent. In generosity. Yeah. yeah, it's the same amount of generosity as if someone who had $1 billion gave someone $900,000. It's fucking insane. So no, they shouldn't have a billion dollars. We'll explain more later. Next question. Aren't billionaires a minority since there's only 2,200 of them? Isn't the political discourse around billionaires a type of bullying and oppression of a minority? 
this is a good question because this is legitimately a question that people have that should be answered. It's a not uncommon sentiment, the idea that like picking on billionaires specifically is wrong because it's a small group of people and it's personal. Howard Schultz, former CEO of Starbucks, who is running for president this election cycle, dropped out, said that he preferred the term people of means, you know, person first language <laughs> rather than billionaires. But billionaires are not a minority. There's a difference between a numerical minority and a political minority. A political minority is disenfranchised politically, socially, economically. You can have a majority that's a smaller amount of people that has all the political power and then have a minority, a political minority, that's a larger group of people. And that's exactly the case with billionaires. Billionaires have a disproportionate effect on our politics, the shape of our society, the ethical character of our society. So no, billionaires aren't a minority. They're actually literally the opposite of a minority. Yeah, and we understand why the language can be confusing. It's the same kind of thing that comes up when someone might include women in the listings of various minority groups and people say hey actually if you look there's slightly more than half the population so in fact men are the minority you know probably a genuine confusion in some occasions but sometimes a sort of pedantic willful ignoring of the intended implicature in order to oppress people you actually have to have power over them billionaires are the people in society currently right now literally who have the most power in the world Nobody, least of all us, but nobody could oppress a billionaire. The amount of power they have is even bigger proportionately than the amount of wealth they have. Jeff Bezos doesn't just have about 25 million times as much accumulated wealth as Sean. I think he has more than 25 million times as much power because it's not a gradient. Either you can buy politicians or you can't. It's not like with $6,000 you can buy a little bit of a politician, but with a billion dollars you can buy a lot of a politician. The amount of power they have compounds even more greater than the amount of money they have. And we're not like proposing going out and victimizing individual billionaires by like taking out a gun and sticking them up and be like, hey, give me six million dollars is nothing to you. Although I think proportionally in ethical terms, that's probably a smaller crime than, say, like stealing a little old lady's last five hundred dollars. Absolutely. The way to abolish billionaires is to set up a broader institutional strategy to design the shape of society consciously to be more ethical. And that means making sure that everyone's needs are met by diverting money from the largest money flows in society towards the areas where money is sorely needed. You can have a complex, multi-pronged taxation system that effectively abolishes billionaires over time or makes the holding of money beyond a billion dollars untenable except in the short term. There's a number of ways to do this. Some are better than others. You can make groups between them that work together, but this should be a political priority as long as money exists. Next question. So you want to tax billionaires? That's really stupid. Don't you know that if you try to tax billionaires, they will move their assets out of the country so that you can't tax them and then they won't pay the taxes? So there's no point in even trying. Good question, common question but bit of a confusion on your part because while that is absolutely a problem, it's a problem if people try to avoid complying with just laws in general. So if the just law is you should pay your taxes if you're a billionaire, or if the just law is don't feed poison candy to children. 
some people might not follow these laws and that's bad and that's wrong and they should be compelled to participate in a restorative justice process to make that right again in the future. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make the laws. Of course the billionaires are going to try to not pay the taxes. If they wanted to take all the money they had and spend it on social services, they would do that on their own. Obviously they don't want to do that, so that's why we have the taxes to force them. And the fact that some of them are going to try to wiggle out of it just means we have to try harder to catch them and prevent them from wiggling out of their responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely true that some people in this world are going to try as hard as they can to evade their responsibilities and avoid their duties to others. Like a little slithering worm, that's a bad thing to do. We should meet our duties. We should be responsible people. We should have a sense of solidarity with humankind. Not everyone is going to do that. But if you're evading taxes, that is breaking the law. It's unusual that the billionaires would need a class of non-billionaires to stand up for them and their inherent right to evade the law because of their wealth. And where the poor might violate the law and then face punishment for it, there's an acceptance among this class of defenders, either implicitly or explicitly of the rich, who say, well, there is no justice for the rich. They can just avoid the laws. And that's your argument against justice for the rich? You can't tax them. They're too powerful. They'll use their money to avoid complying with the law because they're above the law. I think that's a bad argument. Next question. You guys are dumb. People's net worth is not liquid cash. It's assets. You can't tax assets. Bezos will have to sell his Amazon stock to pay taxes. So this, this won't work. Wait, why won't it work? He will have to sell his Amazon stock to pay taxes. It seems like a solid plan right there. I mean, there's other options for him, too. He could mm -hmm. just give Amazon stock away. Yeah, um, you could even make the government able to take stock from profitable corporations and have the government become one of the holders of stock. Yeah, uh, if, you th if you think about it, it makes sense because any extremely profitable corporation made that money not just based on the people who invested in it or even the people who work there, but all the people who purchase things there or people just generally living in the society that allowed that company to exist and become profitable. Companies can't exist and become profitable if there's no other people around in the society. Like it's a product of a society. So after a certain level, you could just say the society gets a chunk. It seems sort of elegant to uh, transition shares of profitable corporations over to the government. Like, it, it seems like there would be a bunch of benefits to doing that. Great idea. So, yeah, you can definitely tax assets. It's pretty easy to do that. We understand it's not liquid cash. We never said it was liquid cash. We understand maybe some people are confused and think Bezos has a bank account with a hundred and whatever billion dollars in it. But we know that he doesn't. We were never operating under that assumption, just so you know. And generally, like, if you have a debt to someone that you have to pay, you have a responsibility to pay something, a responsibility to pay taxes, and you don't have the liquid assets to do so, generally speaking, you do liquidate your assets in order to pay for it, no matter your income level. So we don't need to especially be worried about Jeff Bezos and the 2,000-something richest people in the world, because they got a lot of assets, they got a lot of options. You should have concern for the people who don't have any options. So literally the opposite of billionaires, the other side of the scale. Yeah, people who have to liquidate their assets in order to pay court fees in order to defend themselves on uh, charges for crimes that they didn't commit and they have no money and they end up having to like sell their vehicle and lose their job 
because they're paying court fees and then they end up in jail for a while and they didn't do anything wrong. Someone like that, for example, mm -hmm. maybe you could be concerned about them having to liquidate assets, but Bezos. Yeah, liquidating could, assets to pay for medicine, food, shelter, you know, basic stuff. Like he just had to liquidate assets to pay his wife in the divorce settlement and nobody was like, oh, you shouldn't have to do that because he'd have to liquidate assets. And so if you owe money, that's what you do. So yeah, not a problem, but thanks for the question. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is proudly brought to you by Spensworth's own Luxury Low-Income Gruel. It's luxury gruel at a low-income price. We at Spensworth's own know that you want your family to have nice things, but you can't afford regular luxury gruel. You're stuck there in the work camps eating economy gruel day after day. It's not luxurious. It's not the highlight. And to add insult to injury, the wealthy gawkers come to stand outside the camp, eat their luxury gruel, and just stare at you as you work. And you think, oh, I wish I could have some of that. It's so fragrant. It seems so delicious. They seem to be enjoying it so much. We heard your calls, and we've brought the answer. Economy priced luxury gruel. This is the luxury gruel you've longed for at a low-income price you can afford. We have brought a low-income family into the studio today to try out low-income luxury Spensworth-owned gruel. Thank you for being here. Are you an actor? Uh, no, I'm not an actor. What about your kids? Actors? or? Well, one of them did pretty good in the school play, but not professional actors anyway. All right, I've got a tube of luxury low-income gruel for each of you. Here you go. It's soft plastic packaging, so you can just go-gurt that down. All right, let's uh, hear kids. I'll cut yours open for you. I want to have them use the scissors, and then I'll cut mine open. So, try that gruel. You know, tastes like tastes like the old economy gruel. It is true that the luxury low-income gruel does taste like the old economy gruel, but the new economy gruel tastes much, much worse. So it's just charging more money for the old economy gruel, but calling it luxury gruel. Spensworth's own luxury low-income gruel. Luxury gruel, affordable for the whole family. Today's sponsor of Seriously Rock. So recently there's been calls, calls that we have joined to abolish billionaires, to get rid of the social role of billionaires in society and anyone who has a billion dollars find ways to tax that all away, whittling them down to a sub-billionaire and spending that money on good things that people need, like housing, food, shelter, 10,000 years of world peace and establishing a commune of communes where people are paid according to need. Yeah, it's a typical call people make. Tax billionaires use that as seed money to establish utopia. Yeah, I think really important to underscore here, and we touched on this before, the difference between a million and a billion. There's been a whole sub-genre of internet meme about this recently, which I've found to be really effective propaganda and making me think critically about what a billion is. So a million hours ago was 1905, and a billion hours ago was 112,000 BC. A million minutes ago was December of 2017. Oh, that's not too long ago. We were doing the podcast in December 2017. I was very close to the age I am now. And so a billion minutes ago, that's got to be what, 2014, 2012? <laughs> oh, no, it's way more than that. It's got to be like... 1950 or something. It's 118 AD. Oh, wow. 
that's like close to Jesus time. Jesus was dead already, but <laughs> it was a lot closer to Jesus than it is to Aaron, for example. I read a recent report about the total amount of wealth on earth had passed $280 trillion. $280 trillion of wealth. So in between assets and cash holdings. And there's about seven and a half billion people. So if you divide 280 trillion by seven and a half billion, a fair share would be about $37,150. That's an interesting point. And like it brings up something that people mention about wealth redistribution sometimes, which is that like, oh, if you took away these top five billionaires money and spread it out, it wouldn't actually be that much money. If you took the money of an average CEO and spread it out amongst the workers, it actually wouldn't be that big of a raise for all of them. So really, this idea of like, oh, some people have too much, if you actually spread it all out, it's not that much. This is an argument people use to say like, oh, it's not a problem that these people have this much money. Or at the very least, that redistributing that wealth isn't going to solve the problem you think it will. And maybe in some instances, that's right. But the thing that's being ignored there is the economy of scale aspects that come with having that much wealth accumulated in one place. So spreading $300 billion out to the U.S. population, giving everyone $1,000 one time, isn't going to make that much of a difference. But spending $300 billion on building social housing actually makes a hell of a lot of social housing and makes a bunch of people's lives better who really need it. So it's not just about taking their money and spreading it evenly out to everyone. It's about taking these massive sums of accumulated wealth and power and doing something good with it, doing, doing something that synergistically creates a bigger outcome than a whole bunch of individuals spending that money in their own personal best self-interest. Billionaires might not have enough to pay everybody $100,000 a year forever, but they do have enough money to kickstart a bunch of social services and programs that can make sure that people get what they need. Yeah, there's like two separate ethical issues here that have a complementary relationship. On one hand, the amount of political power and the amount of agency that the ultra-rich are able to exercise over society is unethical in itself. And so even if making them non-billionaires wouldn't help pay for services that people need, there would still be a strong ethical case for getting rid of their status as billionaires, getting rid of their status as the ultra-rich. Basically, every negative social outcome you can think of is higher in countries with higher levels of inequality than countries with lower levels of inequality. So just having the difference there itself causes negative outcome. And some people might say, you know, hey, sure, there are more billionaires, but everyone's getting richer. The billionaires aren't to blame. It's not zero sum. Well, that's not actually true. There's data that shows that during the exact same time, the amount of billionaires exploded in size from the 1990s on. The average income growth across the board slowed severely, cutting in half from 2.2% to 1.1%. So there's at the very least a correlation, if not a causation, between the expansion of the amount of billionaires that there are and the slowing of everyone else's wages. The amount of new money that's going to people at the top, absolutely disproportionate compared to everyone else. The average population is having their wages stagnate or fall behind from inflation, while billionaires are making more and more money. It's just the way the system is structurally designed. And this causes economic problems. There's a real economic 
case to redistribute money and put it where the money is actually needed. There's this concept in economics called marginal utility. It's the idea that like if you only need two cows and you have eight cows, your eighth cow is worth less than your first two cows. And this concept was used to sort of explain the idea of like, why is it that water costs so much less than diamonds, even though we really need water and we don't really need diamonds? Part of the explanation that economic theorists gave was that we do need water, but we have so much of it. So marginal utility implies that the last million dollars of a billionaire's money is way less useful to them and way less valuable to them than the first million dollars that I would earn. And that makes an intuitive sense. If someone has exactly $1 billion and you take $1 million away from them, so they only have $900,999 million, the amount of loss that they suffered there compared to my gain of getting $1 million it was much more significant to me than it was to them. Yes, yeah, so it was actually generative because they lost less than you gained. Yeah, it is. It absolutely, it literally generates value to redistribute money from the wealthy to the poor. And look, when we say being a billionaire is unethical, it's not that there's something magic about having a billion dollars that inherently makes it bad. Again, we're talking about the inequality here. If you're talking about building a world where everybody's a billionaire, where there's universal basic billions being given out to every person every year, that's a completely different story. I wouldn't be unethical to be a billionaire in that situation. So I just wanted to throw that in there to clarify that when we say it's unethical to be a billionaire, we're talking about in society right now as it is because of the inequality. When we're talking about a billionaire too, we're not just talking about numerically, oh, suddenly from $999,999,999 and they get one more dollar and suddenly something really fundamental has changed. Yeah. Billionaires are just a good shorthand for the ultra-powerful and wealthy. It happens that there's about 2,200 ultra-powerful wealthy people who meet this threshold. But there's a fair argument to say, actually, where is the dividing line here? Like, I don't have a good answer on that, too, of like, at what point is, you said a, about a million and a half dollars over your lifetime. Yeah, that was, uh, I pulled that out of my ass. I don't know what that is. One and a half million divided by 80 years, let's say. Uh, it's only 18K a, a year, so maybe a little higher than that. Well, actually, know who does have exact numbers is Thomas Piketty who wrote Capital in the 21st Century. In his new book, Capital and Ideology, has some policy prescriptions that are pretty specific. A graduated wealth tax of 5% on fortunes of more than 2 million euros, going all the way up to 90% on those with more than 2 billion euros. So he prescribes a sort of like continuum where at certain thresholds you're taxed larger and larger pieces of the total wealth, effectively at a certain point causing a maximum wealth. Mm -hmm. That although you can temporarily get beyond it, the system sort of like chips away and degrades at its right, value. Right. And then you have an ad hoc zone of a, a spectrum of maximum wealth that people will fall through until eventually they fall out of it. Where if nothing else changes, the rich lose money naturally over time rather than gain money naturally over time, which is the way that our system works. The richer you are, the more sort of like ambient money you just pick up. Uh, something else that Thomas Piketty suggests in his book that I think is a really cool idea is an inheritance for all, 
he suggests that when people turn 25, they get 120,000 euros from the government. Nice. Yeah, I've never considered this idea before, but I That's really... It's like 200K-ish in Canadian, isn't it? Yeah, or around 200. 200. Could use that. I love the way that it inverts the inheritance stuff where people are like, oh, I earn money. I want to like leave it to my kids. It's a real like felt experience of like, I earn this and I want my children to share and what I've earned. Sure, like, yeah. I get the strong arguments and I think ethical arguments against inheritance in favor of big inheritance taxes and stuff like that. But I also get the intuitive sort of ethical familial sense of like wanting to pass your house and your stuff onto your kids out past the ranch down to the kids and sure yeah and there's instances you can think of where it's like say they owe a bunch of money on that ranch and then when dad dies the like someone comes and repossesses it and like oh no it's our family ranch we lived on here for generations and now they have to move i think most people would see that as kind of a tragedy so Piketty reversing it and being like no we need to have an inheritance for all Rather than it's unfair that the rich get inheritances while the poor don't. It's like, well, let's make sure that everyone gets an inheritance. Yeah, Yeah. and it ties into the idea that the earth is our common heritage and that we share a common legacy with all of the people of the planet and that the inheritance from one generation to the next doesn't just flow down through familial lines, but as a whole previous generations gift the planet and our knowledge and our inventions and traditions and cultures and everything to the next generations. And the idea that we all share in this and it's all of ours and we should all get an inheritance from it is really intuitively appealing and like morally just. It's a good one. Just another angle on this. You know how the difference between a million and a billion is equal proportionally to the difference between $5 and $5,000. Yeah. If you make everyone a hundred thousand air, you bring the center closer, right? Like it makes being a billionaire more ethical than it is now. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause again, it's about inequality. So if there's less inequality, if there's less of a power differential between the bottom of wealth in society and the people with the most wealth in society, then it's less bad. It'll have less negative social outcomes. Well, I think that's great. I, th- I think I really support that. I think getting rid of the billionaires, turning billionaires down into 100 millionaires or maybe 10 millionaires, you know. If you can't make it work being a tens of millions heir. <laughs> oh, I can't keep up with my bills. I'm only a tens millionaire now. What sort of fucking bills do you have? Is that really, are you taking a proportionate amount of the maybe resources stop, of Earth? Maybe stop with all the Starbucks and like drink coffee at home if you can't make it work on tens of millions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Billionaires can't afford higher taxes because they're eating too much avocado toast. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I, I like that. Let's do it. Inheritance for all? Yeah. Or and, the, and, and, and maximum wealth? Maximum wealth, maximum income, inheritance for all, universal basic food and housing publicly funded innovation to create a more technologically perfect society forever. Let's do it. Sure. You're in? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who was the first billionaire? Maybe this question, if we can answer it, will give us some insight into the fundamental nature of billionaires. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Who is the first billionaire? Do you know? Yes. Uh, I knew, that's I why I you. started talking about it. John D. <laughs> Rockefeller is 
commonly accepted to be the first billionaire. And I think maybe a good question, you know, he's a billionaire. He became a billionaire in 1916. How did he become a billionaire? Was it by feeding the most people? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. Was it by saving the most lives? No, that's not what made him a billionaire. Was it by selling the most oil? Yes. And not only that, it was an oil monopoly, standard oil. And they used anti-competitive business practices. He had a close relationship with rail companies. So he made a deal to charge independent oil producers more in standard oil less for shipping, which would make it less financially viable to ship and refine oil for these independent producers, which gave him economic leverage he needed to buy them out. He also would do things like buy up all the oil barrels or buying equipment used for the shipping and refinement of oil or the producers of that equipment and refusing to sell the parts to competitors. He also blatantly bribed politicians. Popular opinion turned against Rockefeller and Standard Oil after a series of journalistic exposés by Ida Tarbell shed light on these things. So the first billionaire ever was involved in an anti-competitive oil monopoly in the U.S. that was eventually taken down by an investigative journalist and legislation was passed to break up the company Standard Oil. So like the source of his wealth was anti-competitive. Yeah, not just selling oil, but engaging in business practices that wipe out all oil-selling competitors and bribing politicians. When Standard Oil was broken up, it was broken up into 33 companies, and some of those companies still exist, and you recognize the names of them, like ExxonMobil and Chevron. That's the source of the first billionaire. So what does that tell us about the nature of billionaires in general? Can we read into this, this anti-competitive oil billionaire, abused the system, was a, a fierce, cutthroat, antisocial capitalist hurting others in order to enrich himself, and as a result became the first billionaire? Was that fair? Was that a fair process? Is that just the way it is? Okay, but what did he do with those billions? Did he do something great with them? Did he feed all homeless people? Was he the world's best philanthropist? Well, he didn't feed all the homeless people, but his biographer did call him the greatest philanthropist of all time. <laughs> So yeah, he did become a philanthropist after retiring. He donated like $500 million over his lifetime, mostly in like medical research and education initiatives. But some estimates have him having as much as $1.5 billion. So if he donated a half a billion dollars over his entire lifetime and his peak amount of wealth was $1.5 billion, it's not very much proportionally. I don't want it to sound ungrateful and pedantic, but like you can either judge philanthropy based on how much money did you give or how much money did you have at the end? And so even though he gave $500 million, he still had a billion dollars at the end, which is like way more than anyone else by a lot. Yeah, the measure of how much did you choose not to give is a really interesting measure. So for someone who makes $30,000 a year and they spend all of their money every year on buying things, you could say, oh, they chose not to give something, but they needed most of that. The amount they chose not to give is near zero, maybe a thousand. How much can you really give? Someone who has, at the end of everything, a billion dollars, you could say they chose not to give a billion dollars, and that's way worse. So yeah, I do like that as a way of ranking philanthropists. How much did they choose not to give? So what can we say about billionaires from this? I don't know. It seems like billionaires get rich through oil monopolies so far. Yeah, it's hard to make generalizations for sure just based on one, but it seems like people become billionaires through ruthless business practices, playing roughshod with the law, 
and by choosing not to give away billions of dollars. That's one thing I think we could say for sure about all billionaires is that they've chosen not to give away at least $1 billion. It's something that unites them all. And now back to the show. It's the Billionaires Only Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Billionaires Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Rich Sean. And I am Rich Aaron, Billionaire Aaron, Huge Aaron. They call me lots of names. They all end in Aaron. Fact of the matter is, Aaron, you've got over $1 billion. You also have more than a billion dollars, too. Hey, what are you talking about? I don't have a billion dollars. Just kidding. I do have a billion dollars. I'm a billionaire, too. Oh, it's so nice. We can talk like this. Just us billionaires. Speaking of just us billionaires, today's episode of Billionaires Only is sponsored by Buysworth Patented Golden Ear. Now, I got my golden ears into you. Absolutely. Always do. Now, the golden ear is an incredible device that you put deep inside your ear and it blocks out the din of poor voices. That's right. You can set the amount of income or net worth that you will not listen to anyone who falls below it. I currently have mindset to 69 million. Get it? Oh, nice. 69. (laughs) (laughs) So anyone with a net worth lower than that, I have no idea what you said and I don't care. You're at the restaurant. They're like, mouthing can i take your order you're like what what's going on you're like oh my golden ear and then you turn it off temporarily i don't turn mine off i just order i know what they're asking me oh good point who cares what they have to say Buysworth makes incredible high-end products for discerning millionaires and billionaires and this is one of the finest products i've ever bought highly recommend it put that inside your ears and start tuning people out because what they have to say is not worth anything Well, first, as always, at the start of the show, how much ambient income did you make this week? Just assets, appreciating, interest payments, whatever. How much did you gain this week for doing nothing? It's impolite to talk about the specific numbers, as I say every week. But I will say, my friend, this was a good week. This was a good week for ambient unearned income, making my net worth skyrocket while I literally do nothing. And as I do every week, I'll give the exact dollar amount. For me, this week it was $893,422.67. Ooh, slow week. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Well, if I earned 800 some change. It still mostly covered my expenses for the week. Did I have to take one fewer private jet ride? Yes. Am I willing to make sacrifices? Not if I don't have to, but I did in this instance. And that's really the billionaire ethic. Incredible. Now, us billionaires, we're doing pretty well right now, uh, with the exception of some. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sure you're on the way up, bro. All right, all right. Us people of means, us people of wealth, we know the poor are poor for a reason, and the rich are rich for a reason. Us billionaires, we're chosen to do this. As the factory owner who started the Winnipeg General Strike said... God gave me this factory, and by God, I'll do what I want with it. That's the billionaire ethos. Yeah, we definitely get chosen for this life. Me, for example, I was chosen by my parents, who were also billionaires. They left their wealth to me. As I understand it, most poor people don't have billionaire parents, and so they don't get chosen to become billionaires because their parents can't choose that because they don't have billions to give them. And that's uh, how things work for non-billionaires, as I understand it. That's the lives they lead, the unchosen. That is interesting. That is really cool. And neat to think about, right? I've got a book on that I've been meaning to read forever what it's like to not be a billionaire. Just It is curious how the other side lives, and just to 
get a real taste of that sometimes. I feel like I had a bit of that this week with my slow week. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, oh, I wish I wasn't a billionaire. and Wanting to fit in with the other kids. Yeah, like I would say stuff at school like, oh, I asked for a Super Nintendo, but I didn't get it (laughs) just to try to fit in. and Hilarious. Adorable, too. Now we're moving on to Billionaires Running for President Corner. Now, at Billionaires Only, we are convinced that billionaires are basically the only real people. And that's been our position since day one. My entire life experience seems to suggest it. And we care deeply about representation. Now, where are the billionaires in positions of power? It's not enough to just simply have the money to donate to political campaigns, create, you know, nonpartisan issue-based initiatives about the things that we care about, like enriching ourselves. We actually need to have literal billionaires in there. It really matters. Yeah, political representation is important, and I know we're just about to get into that, but I'll take a quick detour, too, that a lot of shows I'm noticing now don't have billionaire media representation either. And so it's like you're watching these whole shows. They go on for seasons and seasons about, oh, all these problems these poor people are having or these middle class people are having. And there's just no billionaire perspective. I don't feel represented on these shows. Or if they do come around, it's a villain. It's this villainous caricature. Oh, the trope of the villainous billionaire. It's like, thank God for Batman. Just like someone gets it billionaire hero for once i remember the first day that batman came out and we were crying we were all crying together we didn't know what it felt like we'd never seen that before so as you know our u.s president donald trump is a billionaire which is great like feels great to know that we have shared class interests even though i disagree with him on a lot of those little issues yeah and so far three more billionaires have either run for president or explored running for president this cycle including the former ceo of starbucks howard schultz he was going to run as a centrist independent howard schultz is such a classy billionaire too i find donald trump don't get me wrong he is a billionaire and that makes him better than most presidents and most presidential candidates but, you know, the gold rooms, the showy, showy. Yeah, the you know, nouveau rich yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit gauche. Howard Schultz. Ooh. Mwah. First of all, Starbucks. Mwah. But also the man himself, just class, class act all the way. And what our politics needs right now is more centrist independence. I'll say it. Both sides have gone crazy. We need someone who will stand in the center and be independent. Centrists means keeping things the way they are. And I like things the way they are because I have billions of dollars right now. Another billionaire in the race is Tom Steyer. He is running for the Democratic nomination. Uh, He's a billionaire. He doesn't support Medicare for all. That's good. Yeah, I mean, he's got to have some brains to become a billionaire, right? But he does support making healthcare more affordable for non-billionaires. And now it actually looks like Michael Bloomberg A multi-billionaire former mayor of New York is going to enter the race. Now, that's exciting because that is our fourth billionaire in this cycle. And just do the math here. There's 607 billionaires in the United States, which means 0.65% of all U.S. billionaires are either running for president this cycle or were president this cycle. That's over half a percent of all billionaires. That representation is so huge. Think about it this way. If the same percentage of U.S. plumbers were running for president, there'd be over 3,100 plumbers running for U.S. president right now. And if the same percentage of teachers were running, there'd be over 20,000 teachers running for president right now. If the same percentage of people who are currently homeless were running for president, that is 0.65% of all American people who are homeless, there would be 3,588 homeless people running for president. Four billionaires, one election cycle, 
that's a big win for billionaires rights it's so great because i can remember election cycles in my lifetime where there were no billionaires running for office sad zero zero and so people are like oh this overcorrection too many billionaires now it's like really look at the history here and we're really asserting we own the political system this is our world not yours and I got my golden ear in, so I can't even hear what you're saying back. Please leave. Yeah, I only hope whoever our next billionaire president is, he keeps the golden ear in at all times because those millions of yapping non-billionaires, they'll distract anyone from doing a good job at anything. And moving on to our next segment. Now, we have been following the affluenza case, Ethan Couch, for years now. Now, this is a famous teenage drunk mm -hmm. driver, yeah. killed multiple people with his truck in 2013. Whoops. Prosecutor wanted a 20-year sentence for his drinking and driving deaths. He ended up getting just probation. Why did he just get probation? Well, his defense was interesting and unconventional. It was he had affluenza. The defense argued Ethan was not trained to have limits by his rich parents. It made Ethan unable to recognize the consequences of his actions, and so he shouldn't have to go to jail. Now, in this outrage, non-billionaires, this outraged the people, the din that we tune out, because they said, oh, you're just giving a kid, you're just letting a kid off the hook without consequences, and the argument is he's never faced consequences before, so he shouldn't face them now. There's two sets of laws, one for the rich and one for the poor. Yeah, and we're like, okay, yeah. right? Yeah, that makes sense. Always has been. Hot take. There is a different set of laws for the rich and laws for the poor, and that's a good thing. I mean, whether it's good or not, I don't want it to change. Now, look, I'm in favor of a different set of laws for the rich and the poor. I'm the number one backer of that. And this doesn't do that. This doesn't do that at all. Now, first of all, he was a minor. He's 16 years old. The idea that he's going to go to jail for 20 years for an unintentional death goes completely against like regular criminal justice in the United States. Unintentional deaths by minors in drunk driving accidents really usually do not cause anyone to go to jail. This word affluenza was just, it was thrown out during the proceedings, but it's not that the guy was rich. It's like the kid had a fucked up life. His parents yelled at each other. They threatened to kill themselves, burn the place down. This was a deeply dysfunctional family that included some moderate wealth. They were barely millionaires. Honestly, people talk like, oh, they were so rich. It's like, don't most people have a million dollars? It would seem like, how do you even live with less than that? Yeah, so for this getting chalked up to affluenza when it's actually just dysfunction and the basic criminal justice system. Now, who wants to send a 16-year-old to jail for 20 years? It's more than he's ever been alive. That's a disproportionate sentence. I don't care that he was drinking and driving. I do care about that, but not like 20 years. Like, this just became this blown up media story. It wasn't like, oh, the judge is like, oh, he's rich. You know, rich people should get away with that. Because if there was a different set of laws for the rich and the poor, like we advocate, he wouldn't even be in the courthouse in the first place. He would have just paid his way out. Which, I mean, yes, if we he could afford it with a million dollars. The update is he's just gotten out of jail. He was in jail for two years because his mother and him tried to flee to Mexico in 2015, as we covered before. We're almost out of time for today's episode of Billionaires Only. But before we go, let's take a question from a mere multimillionaire. Now, I know it is a popular sentiment in the billionaire community to look down on millionaires, to say millionaires aren't rich enough, dirty millionaire peasants, that sort of stuff. And honestly, I participated in it as much as anyone. Sure. But I just want to point out there's a big difference between being an 800 millionaire and a one millionaire. You know, like to me, the fact that we call those both millionaires is a bit 
weird. So just for me, when I'm shitting on millionaires, I'm generally thinking of single or double digit millionaires. If you're a triple digit millionaire, especially high triple digits, you got a ways to go, but I see you as human. Millionaires are people too. And so that's why we take a question every now and then from a millionaire, try to set them right, set them on their way towards a better life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today's question, I'll just open up this paper. Millionaires still use paper. That's cute. <clears throat> Dear billionaires only, I am just a multimillionaire. What can I do to become a billionaire like you? Well, that's a good question. That is um, a good question. It's simple. Spend less money than you earn. Yeah, and make sure that the differential there between what you're spending and what you're earning adds up to the difference between where you are now and $1 billion. So if, for example, you're a 250 millionaire, spend $750 million less than you earn, and then you'll have $1 billion. Thanks for the great question. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more updates on which billionaires are running for president and uh, so much more. I hope you tune in. If you're tweeting about the podcast, please use the hashtag billionaire life. And remember, every week we do a bonus episode as well. We do two a week. The second bonus episode is only to those who purchase over $60 million in stock in the podcast. And the bonus episodes are distributed as a dividend. So please remember, if you want those episodes, buy some stock. Thank you and have a good week. Okay, so we really have to get an answer. What is the character of billionaires? And we have to use the rubric of who the first billionaire was to understand that. But I've unfortunately received some troubling information. It is disputed that Rockefeller was actually the first billionaire. His family has claimed that his fortune actually peaked at 900 million, not one and a half billion as reported. We don't give a shit about 900 millionaires this episode. This is an episode about billionaires and billionaires only. Billions and billions. Well, if John D. Rockefeller is not the first billionaire because his family's correct and his fortune never actually reached a billion dollars, even though it was reported in newspapers in 1916 that he had become a billionaire, the next billionaire, the maybe first real actual billionaire, the definite billionaire we know for sure... Henry Ford. So let's use this example of the first billionaire as a synecdoche, as a crystal ball to look into. What is the character of billionaires? This is a rare chance for billionaires to get a do-over. Like first we said, oh, billionaires are like John D. Rockefeller, shady business practices, bribing politicians, stuff like that. Maybe with Henry Ford, we'll find something better in the character of billionaires. So first two questions, just like last time, did he become a billionaire by feeding the most people? No, he did not. Did he become a billionaire by saving the most lives? No, no, that's not what made him a billionaire. Did he become a billionaire by selling cars? Yes, he did become a billionaire by selling cars. And he's actually famous for something pretty good, which was voluntarily reducing the workday of his employees and boosting their pay. They were originally at 235 an hour for nine hours a day. And he over doubled their wages up to $5 an hour while reducing their workday to eight hours. So it was a significant increase in pay and a decreasing of work hours at the same time. It's a really good combo. Decreasing hours, increasing pay. It's one of the best things. It's really like one of the key political priorities at any given time is to increase the pay and reduce the hours at the same time. And Henry Ford is a private member of industry, did this to the people working in his car factories. He was also known for hiring minorities, women, and the disabled ahead of the curve. 
So that's pretty good. Yeah, billionaire's riding high on this one. Top tier billionaire here so far. I hope nothing comes to crash us down from these great heights of billionaire ethics. There is just one complicating... uh, (laughs) There's just one little complicating factor here for Henry Ford. Come on, spill the beans. You're acting like he's Hitler or something. Literally like a Nazi. Yeah, Henry Ford publicly published anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about the international Jews in a newspaper that he ran and distributed with his cars called the Dearborn Independent. He believed that Jews created jazz music to brainwash people into stupidity. Hitler praised... Henry Ford in Mein Kampf and had a picture of Henry Ford, a life-size portrait on his desk, and he called Henry Ford an inspiration. He published a book called The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. He believed that all war profiteers were Jewish, and he actually did business with Nazi Germany. He was a war profiteer himself. Holy shit. Actual, like, Nazi, basically. Did not know that. So there was one good thing. He reduced the workday and gave them more money. That's good. He did one bad thing, which was be a horrible anti-Semite for decades, publicly publishing anti-Semitic ideas and views on the world. And there's one more ambiguous thing. He hated cows. He said the cows must go. To replace cows, he proposed artificial milk that would be made synthetically because he believed that cows were unsanitary and inefficient and that scientific processes could eliminate cows because there's no reasons why chemists couldn't discover the cow's secret of converting vegetation into dairy products. And this kind of stemmed from his childhood where he grew up milking cows and really hating it. And thinking it was gross. The hating cows thing, it really makes me feel like Henry Ford is giving a nice, balanced, and total perspective on what billionaires are like, do you know? Because, yeah, he was a horrible anti-Semite, but he also did this really good labor thing, and he was a human being. He hated cows, because when he was a kid, he had to milk them. And so all through his life, he rationalized and built narratives about phasing out cows. Uh, <laughs> like, that's so, that's so human. But he's capable of so much evil. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, he's capable of evil, capable of good, but really horrifying. Like, we're all capable of evil, but we're not all prominent published anti-Semites. Yeah, who are, like, considered one of the serious and respectable voices of the anti-Semitic movement in Germany at the time of Hitler. Like, yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't just, like... <laughs> It really kind of overshadows a lot of stuff. And it shows... It shows Pretty yikes, Henry Ford. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you shouldn't give people this much power. It's like, it's the thing. It's like, if the average person becomes an anti-Semite, the amount of damage that they can do with that is right. limited by their wealth. Right. And when you have billionaires out there who become anti... Suddenly, like, Henry Ford is a major figure in the Holocaust. So, like... Letting people be billionaires, if they do happen to be rabid anti-Semite, like it just, it's this multiplier thing. So it's like people's bad things are going to be made so much bigger. It's not good to be a poor anti-Semite, but if you just show me an anti-Semite and say, do you want him to have a billion dollars or no money? I would say no money. It's too much responsibility. Like, Right, yeah. With Henry Ford, when he was young, he was like a garage engineer and people called him Crazy Henry and he like made his driving machines and then he got his, he's like, we're going to put together cars the way that we put together thumbtacks all in a row. They're going to look all the same uh, and I'm going to pay my employees enough to buy the cars themselves. And they're like, you're crazy, Henry. And then he's like, bro, I'm earning the first American billion. (laughs) And then so like when I look at through the lens of this, oh, crazy Henry who hates cows. 
He's like, I'm going to stop those cows one day after I finish making these beautiful cars all in a row. And then he gets old and he's like becoming old in a time where medical science isn't that advanced. And he's losing his clear sense of reality and becomes sort of low-key obsessed with a paranoid conspiracy theory about a certain ethnic group. I feel for Crazy Henry. Like, Crazy Henry... Now, obviously, like, he's not the prime victim of the story of the Holocaust, but in a sense, he's sort of this quivering baby flying through space and he becomes the first billionaire and then having a billion dollars is too much and he gets this bad idea and he's too powerful for the bad idea to be stopped. He needs to be liberated from that. The billionaire status is a cage. It's a prison. It makes your life too meaningful. It makes your life have too much impact. And people need to be freed from that situation so they can go on and make mistakes in a safe environment because the mistakes of billionaires are too expensive. So not only do we want to like take the billions away to like put the billions in good places and help enrich everyone and move everyone closer to the same center through a universal inheritance and a maximum income, maximum wealth, but we also want to liberate the billionaires from the shackles that they're in of this totalizing responsibility where their actions in the next 12 years are going to determine whether or not humanity survives. It's not fair to them either. Yeah, because I mean, imagine what it's like to have a billion dollars. You can do anything. <laughs> not anything, but you can do pretty much anything. And you have to choose what to do. There's such huge problems in the world. They're not things that can be solved by like just a few people. And yet we give so much of the power to solve all these problems just to these specific 2,000 people. In The Soul of Man Under Socialism, Oscar Wilde talks at length about how private property prevents the rich from being able to develop their personality. And by removing the excess of private property, you give the rich the ability to develop their personalities more fully. I agree with that sentiment. I think there is something to the idea that the rich have something enormous to gain from this reorganization as well. Something more ineffable. They live these lives completely isolated from everybody else, physically and experientially, where like by necessity, they basically have to compartmentalize the concerns of everybody else in the world, just like we all do. Like, you know, I grew up hearing a lot about starving kids in Africa. You become an adult, you realize that, yes, there's a lot of hunger in Africa, but it's also a big continent. Lots of different things going on there. But when I was a little kid, it was just like this whole continent is full of starving people. And like me as a small child, knowing that existed in the world, a whole continent full of starving people are thinking that existed in the world. <laughs> it's like you can feel a bit bad about that, but like your whole life is separated from that experientially and physically. So you're just kind of like, yeah, that's bad. But it doesn't become a day-to-day -day concern for me. And like, I don't have the power to end hunger in Africa anyway. So it makes sense that it wouldn't be a day-to-day -day concern for me. But the, for the people who do have power to make real effects in those areas, the whole world is like starving Africa to them. Like it's this thing that's apart from where they are that's sad that, yeah, most people don't have enough money to live. Like that's just how the world is. And that's sad, but it's separate from me. So that's like what I imagine the experiential growing up of a billionaire is, or like the experience, just the experience of being a billionaire in the world is this very hyper isolating experience. 
where the problems of the world no longer seem like your problems because you're so separate from them and the world. And then ironically, you're the person with the most power in the world to do something about it, yet also the most separated from caring about the problems structurally. We have to free them. We have to free the billionaires yes, from absolutely. this responsibility that they have. It's unbearable. Imagine being burdened with that much property to know that you've got billions of dollars and assets out there to worry about. We should save the rich. And the path to save the rich and the path to save the poor is the same path. Yeah, we have to bring the rich back into the human fold. We have to take them out of their hyper-separated, isolated lives and make the problems of the world their problem again by bringing them back into all of us, save them from this weird, gold-plated hellscape of a life they've created. I, I don't want to call it a hellscape. It's pretty nice. <laughs> but it's fucked up. Yeah, it's really nice in this like empty, nightmarish, careful what you wish for kind of way. Like we just need to like get them out of there. You know, they're, they're eating iguanas. They're talking about going to space. It's like somebody please help them. Yeah, Jeff Bezos is just like, oh, well, I have so much money. I did, what, what can I do with it? I mean, so like, so many possibilities exploding in front of me. Like the whole world is open. I, I can do anything. I can access billions and billions of dollars. If I was an alien species that was capable of taking human form, the place that I would put my consciousness was in the bodies of billionaires. <laughs> I'm not saying this has happened. Sure, sure. I'm saying sure. we should check. Or just control for the problem by not having billionaires and then leaving no particular hosts that would be super attractive to consciousness invading extraterrestrials or extra dimensional beings. Like it's just close. Just basic patch. pragmatism. Yeah, it's like as a society running as like a system. Since we that's can't a, that's be a, sure either way. That's about a vulnerability you want to patch. Transdimensional, you need to patch that. Save the billionaires. Billionaire father, billionaire son sketch. Son, this is your father. Are you up in the play tower? Yes, Papa. Okay, I'm going to come up the spiral staircase now. Okay, I'll power down the toys. Oh, ow. Oh, oh I just stepped on a piece of... What is that? It's a diamond ring. How many? There's three or four diamond rings here. Ugh, can't buy anything for this kid. Billionaire son, I, I just stepped on your diamond ring walking up the stairs. Can you be more careful with these things? Oh, great. You found them. I needed those. Here you go. One for each of your fingers. Can you please be a little more careful with the stuff that we get you? I just feel like you don't understand the value of those things. What's value mean? Value, you know, it's the labor embodied in a commodity under a given mode of production. Oh, labor? You mean like that stuff that other people have to do that we don't have to do? Yeah, that's the stuff. So we do zero labor and we get all this stuff. So so the value of these things is zero labor. It's whatever, right? They're just diamond rings. You get as many as you want. You know, we're a very wealthy family. We're billionaires. You're a billionaire son. I'm your billionaire dad. Yep. So we spend a lot of money on these rings because a lot of money is very little to us. Do you understand? So the value of this ring is very big. But it's very little value to us. Well, that might be so. But I think at the same time, now this is something that I struggle with because, you know, like I've worked hard in my life. I've become a billionaire. I've got my whole family. We're all billionaires together. We're part of the same unit. I want to give you a good standard of life because I care about you. And, you know, I didn't always have everything that I wanted growing up and I can give that to you and it's meaningful to me to be able to give that to you. But at the same time, I wonder that it might not be 
the best for you to give you things. Like I was thinking maybe I'll buy you a car when you're 16, but then it's like, well, if I buy you a car, then am I teaching you that cars are worthless, that cars come from nowhere, you don't have to work for cars, but at the same time, I want you to have a good quality of life. I don't want to burden you with these dad, lessons of building. Uh, what is it, son? Billionaire dad, couldn't I just drive one of your 39 cars? Absolutely, anytime. Once you have the license, for sure, most of them. Oh, good. But my point is, is that most kids don't get that. A dad with 39 cars. So am I training you and making you used to a world which isn't real as you grow up by providing for you a positive life? Like, to what degree should I impose artificial scarcity on you? Should I leave my company to you? You know, is that, it just feels like there's this big moral hazard here. I don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? If you're worried that the other people don't have enough cars, why don't we just buy everyone enough cars? We don't do that. It just seems like it would solve the problem. So are you saying that as a billionaire son, that you're willing to become a non-billionaire son by having me give away everything that I would give to you or yeah, I'm all sa- the time? I'm saying or- I don't want you to take anything away from me. I like these rings. I like my big expensive toy rig set up here at the top of the spiral staircase. I like the orchards out back. I like submarine week every year. Yeah, not every kid gets submarine where week. We visit depths of the ocean unexplored by anyone in the world. I love all that stuff, and I'm saying give it to everyone. (sighs) That just isn't how it is. Make everyone a billionaire. Sorry, son, that makes no sense. Hashtag billions for all. Sorry, can you give me those diamond rings? No, I'm using You have to. Or what? What are you going to do? I'm taking all the diamond rings. I know you want to take it. I'm just saying, Because maybe you'll see what it's like to have no diamond rings. If you love giving things away so much, making sure everyone has a car and this sort of utopian vision everyone will be a billionaire la 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 give up the rings okay you can have these four but good luck finding all of the rings i have hidden in stashes around the house there we go teaching a lesson i'm gonna go down the spiral staircase i'm going to melt down these rings for silver put up the diamonds on the web and reinvest that so you know you're gonna donate it to a charity or something i thought that was the lesson it was taking away from me and to see what it's like to give to others i am the other son okay no that makes sense too i guess okay have a good day goodbye bye billionaire dad i feel emotionally distant from you bye billionaire son there was a cover story in psychology weekly which said that children of rich families were more likely to suffer from anxiety depression and commit petty crimes like theft. Have a good night. Goodbye. Our family doesn't say I love Goodbye. you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Is the time to share any relevant news articles. Okay, see ya. Now it's time for Seriously Wrong New Dictionary Word Corner. And today's new word is golden ear. Golden ear. Right, so like the sketch inside the fake show that we did earlier, the golden ear is a concept of kind of not listening to people who are less well off than you are, not taking them seriously, not appreciating their perspectives. And you could even think of it in a broader sense of disregarding the opinions of people who are lower status than you or who are less privileged than you. In its most literal sense, it's talking about income inequality, but in the broader sense, it can be used as a lens across all sorts of intersectional context. To have a golden ear is to not listen to someone lower status than you. It's a contemptible thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Words seriously wrong. New word corner. That's it, folks. Okay, so we got to find the real and true first billionaire so we can have sort of a synecdoche that allows us to appear into the character of billionaires using a single example 
But unfortunately, like our Rockefeller example, our Henry Ford example has been problematized because it was pointed out to us that when adjusted for inflation, Henry Ford's wealth was actually much, much more than a billion at the time that he became the first billionaire. People like Jeff Bezos are closer to Henry Ford than Henry Ford is to current single-digit billionaires. And that that implies that people before Henry Ford likely reached the threshold of wealth of a billion dollars before him or before Rockefeller in an ancient history. Billionaires existed except in other forms. They didn't have the 10-digit number billion, but they had the powers of the modern billionaire. So yeah, when you're thinking about the first billionaires or like the first example of the thing that billionaires are the latest example of, you're talking about people who wield a whole crap ton of power in society. Kings, priests. A great example of a historical proto-billionaire is Mansa Musa of Mali in West Africa. Mm. He was a emperor in the early 1300s. Mali was the largest producer of gold in the world, and he was unthinkably wealthy. We're talking upwards of, based on how you calculate it, upwards of 400 or 500 billion dollars net worth. When he traveled to Mecca, he spent so much gold that some areas had the price of gold in their area depreciate by 10% for years. He's an unthinkably wealthy person. And there are numerous people like that, you know, like Genghis Khan had so much land that, you know, like in modern terms, that land is worth trillions of dollars. Right. Like all over Europe, there are these castles that were built for like obviously kings and emperors but also like smaller minor nobles and stuff and these are just these huge like massive efforts to build these things across generations so yeah i don't know it's just like people who have the ability to wrangle a whole bunch of human labor to their ends so what the fight against billionaires is and what the modern discourse against billionaires is it's the continuation of the french revolution the fight against kings the fight against divine rights and you know that like the billionaires the ultra rich you know not all of them and not in every case but a good number of them have a religious concept of their own wealth how else are you going to justify what's happening either in a literal sense of God gave me this money, which we know for a fact that rich people think they say it like, right. <laughs> or they have this implicit, well, this, how it is, is the divine rights of billionaires, the divine rights of the ultra rich. This was exactly the cleavage point that generated left-wing politics versus right-wing politics was the belief that some were divinely chosen to rule. And that is what a refusal to abolish billionaires is. It's to say, yes, they are divinely chosen to rule. That's how it is. Those are the 2000. Best of luck, you guys. I hope you do good on climate change. Or we can actualize, we can cash the check of the past. We can reach into history in the roots and grow the liberatory plant of abolishing billionaires the same way that we fight to abolish kings and monarchy. You know what? Let's bring that number down. A billion useful phrase. But let's figure it out. Well, how many millions should you actually be able to get? There isn't a great answer, but I think you should start paying like significantly more tax in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, moving up from there until eventually there's a point where, say, keeping $50 million or more is really hard. We'd also have to figure out ways to crack down on people using wealth loopholes to have far too much wealth, like storing in companies and like nested companies having it, but all being controlled by one person and stuff like that. Yeah, like 50 million, I don't know, that's really big, but let's see where the debate finishes on this.
Let's have the process. Let's save the rich. Yeah, especially if everybody gets a 112,000 euro inheritance, like as a baseline. If you move the bottom up to 100,000 and the top down to 50 million, that's only two orders of magnitude difference between the bottom and the top. Whereas if the bottom's at zero and the top's at infinite, then the order of magnitude difference is infinite, both in theory and in practice, because the difference between zero and a billion is proportionately infinite. Yeah, I mean, we have a system right now where someone who has $100 billion and someone who has $0 live within walking distance of each other. One has literally proportionately infinitely more wealth than the other one. So that's what it means to abolish billionaires, everyone. And that is our show. This has been the Seriously Wrong podcast. We are the wrong boys. And if you like our show, you can Give us $6 billion a month on Patreon to keep the show going. For just $6 billion a month, you get access to all the bonus episodes, as well as our Discord server, private Facebook group. Yeah, it's getting really lonely in the Discord. It's getting lonely in the Facebook group. It's getting lonely producing all these bonus episodes. Somebody, please head over to patreon.com slash seriously wrong. Click over to just six billion bucks and like help out a struggling show. Sean and I aren't billionaires yet. We're hoping to become billionaires. If just one person who has many billions, just saying. As always, give us a review on iTunes. Recommend us to people. It's really helpful. It's awesome seeing the show grow as people spread the word about it. Feel free to send us an email or voice message via our website. Have a great week. Next time on Goodbye Billionaires, we have tallied the votes from all of the billionaires and they've decided the way that they want to be tastefully sent off. So we are going to be firing 2,200 billionaires out of cannons. Now, I know you're all worried about the well-being of these billionaires, but they will be equipped with parachutes. We're also rigging them up to have little packages of free-flowing $1, $10, and $5 bills in their side satchels, which once they're launched, they'll pull the cord, and $100,000 from each of them will scatter across the land. So it's going to be quite the sight as we blow our many billionaires into the sky. It's what they wanted. You know, I don't agree with everything billionaires have collectively decided on, either implicitly or explicitly. But this decision, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. I'll give them this one, billionaires. Nice finish. We've talked today about the first billionaires, but these, my friends, in the cannons, all lined up, they are the last billionaires. A setting sun on a tragic era in human history. The era of the billionaire. I really like the setup where there's one fuse that branches off into 2,000 cannons. Oh, yeah. And I mean, once it starts firing, it is going to be a cacophony yeah. of billionaires flying away. It's going to be brilliant. Billionaires launch!
And so, the 2200 billionaires were shot into the sky, leaving behind them an arc of low-numbered currency, as was their wishes. It was a tasteful send-off, and all of humanity thought this was the right choice. If we hadn't done this, they said, we might have a future in our lifetimes with a trillionaire, and that would make me so sick to my stomach I would vomit all over my house, and I'd have to constantly hire new house cleaners to deal with my constant, continual vomiting. Seriously, that's a thousand billion. And Jeff Bezos is one-tenth of the way there. But no vomiting medication needed for me, because we made the right choice. The end. <laughs>